0: It has been over a decade since I broke my left hand in a ridiculous softball accident. I will spare the details for this sermon. You can have it in another one. Pretty bad break, though. Happened on a Thursday night. Surgery uh, was Monday. In between Thursday and Monday, I am to officiate a wedding. Problem was, they put this huge cast up my arm all the way to the elbow. So Michelle, she helps pull my my suit coat on, and has to kind of drag it down the sleeve because it's just so thick this cast. And at the end of the cast, you've got these three fingers hanging out, pointing downwards, visibly badly broken. In fact, it's so noticeable, so sort of grotesque that I'm pretty worried this is going to take away from the service, the, the bride, the groom, the vows, all of it. And so I, I just name it up front. Yep, those are broken. It's pretty bad. Let's move on. But that really is how it is, isn't it? We, we, we notice broken things. We notice the ailments, right? When someone's suddenly on crutches or, or a wheelchair, or now walks with a pronounced limp or has a prosthetic limb, or goodness, if I have a small band-Aid on my finger, Leo notices immediately what happened. <laughs> we notice the broken things, the hurting things. until, of course, we don't. There was a man with a withered hand in the synagogue withered, somehow weakened, uh, paralyzed, useless. Now, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they know the man's in the synagogue, but notice what they are noticing. They watch Jesus to see whether he would cure the man on the Sabbath so that they might accuse Jesus. It is not the man or his ailment or his need that's grabbing their attention or their prayer or their empathy. What has their attention is the distinct possibility that someone in their midst might break. The law. To be fair, the Pharisees were not just a bunch of grumpy religious rule keepers. At their most faithful, honestly, they were actually very studied people seeking diligently to do the will of God. Much of their way of being centered on taking seriously Leviticus 19, verse 2 be holy, because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And the Pharisees understood holy. To mean pure, to be holy was to be pure, was not to be defiled with sin or anything that God forbids. In fact, the name Pharisee, it comes from a Hebrew word that means to separate. Purity is about separating oneself from that which is unholy and, and, and wrong. And so Pharisees, you read in the scriptures, they're taking the purity laws very seriously about what you can eat and not eat, where and not where, who can be touched and not touched, Sabbath-keeping. And physical wholeness was a purity issue. People who were not whole. People who were maimed. Chronically ill. Lepers. Eunuchs. They they were impure. As one theologian summarily states, the effect of the purity system was to create a world with sharp boundaries. Between pure and impure. Righteous and sinner. Whole and not whole. Male and female rich and poor, Jew and Gentile. Now, in many ways, that is a very different world from our country where where we, we are born and raised, naming, celebrating that all are created equal. And yet I think we all readily recognize as well how difficult in our day it is to avoid some of this underlying thinking from the ancient world. If you're part of this denomination or that denomination... If you voted that way or this way, if you drive this kind of vehicle or that kind of vehicle, you eat at this kind of establishment or that kind of establishment, you got that kind of bumper sticker or that kind of bumper sticker, this kind of accent, that kind of accent, then in our hearts and our minds, it's, it's hard not to quickly kind of think, then you're probably all those things, red or blue, you're on this side or, or you're on that side, aren't you? In fact, what has become more and more acute in recent years is we're so aware that that we 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 kind of police each other according to to this line. If 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 a leading Democrat or a leading Republican branks rake, you can almost guarantee how, how their own will will punish them f- for not keeping the purity of the cause. Or, or if a conservative progressive doesn't properly or strongly enough condemn this or that on social media, then what are they really about? How pure? Are they? And this canon does infect the church at some level. Just tell us what denomination they are and where they stand on this or that, and we'll know precisely if they're pure or not. We have this ancient inclination within to see one another in terms of purity codes. Religious, political, otherwise. And I want to be careful here because I recognize God does call all of us to take a stand, right, and confront sin and evil and not remain silent in in their face. History's taught us that lesson time and again. It's good and right to name that. In fact, Jesus is, is confronting evil head on in our passage. But, If we let ourselves get caught up regularly in who stands where, who voted, who wears this brand, where's the church on this and that. If we get so caught up in attending to the line, we can inadvertently realize we've started to pay attention only to the line and not people. We get so caught up in the purity of our cause that we're always staring at the line and demarking people as more or less based on how close and where they are in relationship to the line, treating people not as people but in measure to their proximity to the line, appreciating them or disdaining them accordingly. Unless we be unclear about how dark a path this can become, our passage ends with, with the line watching people plotting, against Jesus' life. How would one know if one is paying too much attention to the, the, the purity lines and who's with us, who's against us, who's pure, who's not? And one measure would be this. We notice we're no longer noticing the ailments right in our presence or among the other or within ourselves. And Jesus said to the man who had a withered hand, Come forward. In a visible, public space of worship, all who've been keenly watching this Sabbath line now have their eyes drawn up upon this man and his ailment. Jesus is placing the the attention on the need. Not the line, not the law. In fact, Jesus tells the man to stretch out his hand. Make the pain, the ailment, the hurt, the impurity all the more front and center for every single eye, and the hand is healed. In fact, Jesus is not just healing here. He's putting something else at the center of the synagogue, and it's becoming quite clear that Jesus does not equate holiness with purity If you read the Gospels, you know that Mark 3 is but one of a myriad of examples where Jesus breaks or bends purity codes, right? Like eating with tax collectors or prostitutes, touching lepers, having women in his group of followers. And now here Jesus brings an impure person to the center of the synagogue and and heals a non-life-threatening injury on the Sabbath. What we see is time and again in his ministry, Jesus makes not purity, but compassion, central. In fact, at one point in Jesus's ministry, he declares, be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. And commentators note Jesus is very intentionally echoing those words from Leviticus 19 too, be holy as I am holy, but he's replacing the word holy with compassionate. So as to be clear that what makes God's people holy, other, set apart, is not fundamentally some sort of purity code, but compassion. Be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Compassionate, literally calm, with, passion, suffering. A people who know how to be with one another in the suffering. And love. Compassion is holiness, compassion, is what it means to be set apart. I was talking with this uh, resident over at uh, Sun City, attends another church, but um, he got to sharing with me that a few years ago, around kind of 2011 to 2013, uh, he and his wife decided to make this weekly trip to the T. Don Hutto Residential Center in Taylor, Texas. As many of you probably are aware that's sort of guarded fenced-in center used to detain non-US citizens awaiting the outcome of their immigration status and there's this visitation program they were a part of where, where folks like this couple could show up and, and, and talk with people detained there and nearly all spoke speak Spanish exclusively nearly all know nobody in this country and I imagine just even hearing uh, uh, about that place brings for, to the fore all of us uh, sort of purity lines as we think about who these people are or are not and and why they're there and what we think of that and and then and would going there and participating in something like this or or, or the like would that be an, an endorsement of a certain uh, immigration policy or would it be a stand against a certain policy and all those things start coming to the fore and and, and I ask this guy what what made he and his wife do these weekly, we visits, and he said, they're just really isolated. They're there for upwards of six months to a year or so, at least back then, and, 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 and many of them just have no visitors. So, you know Spanish then? Uh, we didn't. We, we learned some basics just so we could provide a friendly face, and as they awaited whatever their news was going to be. Now, isolation, loneliness are not always as obvious as the withered hand, but they are surely a profound ailment for the soul with very real bodily manifestations, as many of us have learned in this past year. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. For I was sick, and you took care of me. Compassion. Purity lying compassion, it is central to our God. It is the hill our God, uh, the, the hill that our God dies upon. Quite literally. Jesus' death was terribly impure. The holy bleeding out on Golgotha. The holy, naked. The holy, mocked. But how the moment dripped with compassion? Forgive them. For they know not what they do. The cross proclaims senseless compassion, undeserved compassion. The cross raises compassion as God's final and full response to sinners. We, all of us, are saved by profound compassion. Indeed, thanks be to God that God doesn't hold any one of us next to any sort of purity line at test, but but rather among the hands Jesus is inviting front and center into the space of worship, Are ours. Who among us this day needs to place their ailing hands, their tired hands, their hurting hands, the guilty hands, the calloused hands, their clenched fists, their broken hands? Who among us needs to place our hands front and center and know the profound healing of Jesus who is with us in our suffering? Good news unfolds on the Sabbath day in Mark chapter 3, not when the ailments and the impurities and the pains and the imperfections and the hypocrisies are hidden behind the purity lines, but when the disfigured, the impured, the imperfect are brought plainly and humbly before Jesus. May we know our hands healed anew by the compassion of Jesus. And then having known that gift afresh, we go from here. And whether we go and, and we're known, First Presbyterian Church, as a, as a deeply historic church, or a really big church, or a small church, or a conservative church, or a progressive church, or any of the lines and purity ways we, we kind of try to, to name our may we be known as a radically compassionate church. A people whose eyes are ever attentive to and responsive to the ailments of every kind that are before us. A people whose lives, right, lift high the cross. A people who are set apart as compassionate as their Father in heaven is compassionate. For I was sick, and you took care of me. Amen.